grace and mercy and peace belong to you. From God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Take your hand and form a fist. In that fist, there are one, two, three, four knuckles. Take the other hand, form another fist. You will find one, two, three, four knuckles. Back in the age of sail, many experienced seamen who served on sailing warships in the Royal Navy would often have tattoos put on those eight knuckles to form two words. On this hand, starting over here, they would have tattooed the, the letters H O L D. And on this hand, starting with this knuckle, would be the word the letters F A S T. And then they would hold them out to each other. Hold fast. Hold fast. It appears that a large portion of the reason why they put those two words on their knuckles is that especially in stormy seas, those seamen absolutely had to hold fast to the line of their sail to which they were assigned. They had to hold fast to that line. They had to hold fast to that rope as if their life depended upon it because in stormy seas, in troubled waters, it did. Hold fast. Brothers and sisters, you and I can have the same picture as Christians. You and I hold fast for dear life to Jesus. But why? Why? Of all the relationships you and I have in this world, of all the things in this world, of all the, the, the items and, and, and projects and life goals that vie for our priority. Why out of all of that are you and I to hold fast to this one person, just one? Why? Let's let that question hang for a moment. as we consider the Word of God before us. 
here's the setting. Jesus has just completed a quiet but profound miracle. On the far side, in an uninhabited area on the, of the shore of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus had been preaching and teaching to, to thousands, thousands of people. They had very little food, and he quietly saw to it that by taking five small barley loaves and two little bitty fish, that he multiplied that many, many times over until all those thousands of people had enough and more than enough, and they were all satisfied. That episode, however, did not really conclude with a happy ending because not all, but many in that crowd reacted to this miracle by thinking to themselves, we want to make this guy our king. He can drive out those terrible Romans, and then he can set up a kingdom here. And here's the best part. He can just make food for us. And we will be sitting here, and we'll be comfortable and happy, and we'll have all of our needs taken care of by this fellow. When Jesus recognized that that was the thinking of many, many in that crowd, he knew it was time to go. And so first, he dismissed his disciples. He had them get into their, their, their boat that they had used to come over to that far side of the Sea of Galilee. He sent them off. He did not yet go with them. He then, after dismissing the crowd, went up into a, onto a mountainside to pray. And, and not for a brief time. Very likely, he was there for several considerable long hours talking to his heavenly father in prayer. While that is going on, all the disciples in the boat, they are running into real trouble. Matthew, who was along, describes a bit of what is going on, that the, that the winds are, are, are buffeting against that, against that boat. Now, keep in mind, Many of these disciples are experienced fishermen. They've dealt with storms many, many a time, but this was a bit different. This was supremely difficult and stressful. Not long ago, a singer-songwriter by the name of Gordon Lightfoot passed away. Perhaps the most famous song Gordon Lightfoot wrote a fair number of years ago is entitled The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, where he recounts the, the, uh, the, the story, the true story of a massive ore carrier that was in Lake Superior, and a great storm came up, and during that, that storm, the Edmund Fitzgerald sank to the bottom of Lake Superior. One of Gordon Lightfoot's lines in that haunting ballad is this. Does anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours? Does anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours?
Perhaps that can give us at least a sense of what these disciples are encountering as they deal with this fearful storm in the middle of this lake. But then, for them, things go from bad to worse. In the darkness of the night and in the storms and the waves and the noise, they look out and they see a figure walking on the lake towards them. And when they see that, all of their superstitious instincts take over. It's a ghost, they cry out. They are convinced. But it's not a ghost coming to haunt them. It's Jesus. And over the waves, he calls out something to them that brothers and sisters could go on a plaque and hang on the wall of every one of our homes. He calls out, take courage in his eye. Don't be afraid. And then Peter, impulsive, impulsive Peter, from the boat calls out, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus says. And so Peter steps out from the boat. He steps on the water, and the water supports him as if it were a floor. And he begins to walk on the water, step by step, towards Jesus. But then he looks around, and he sees the waves, and he hears the roaring wind, and the water splashing in his face, and the darkness of the night, and he loses focus on Jesus, and he begins to sink. That sound familiar, brothers and sisters? Oh, perhaps you and I have not been walking on the, t on the top of Lake Michigan any time recently. But does it sound familiar? Perhaps it sounds familiar right now. Where the winds of the difficulties of life and the darkness, and the storms, and you look about and it seems as if it is simply chaos and uncertainty and calamity and broken hearts. And you look around and you see nothing to give you strength, nothing to carry you, nothing to hold you up, And you begin to plunge. You begin to sink, swallowed in the watery depths of despair. Which is what will happen sooner or later. Which is what always happens sooner or later in our sinful blindness, yours and mine. When you and I lose sight of Jesus, 
And because that has happened to you and me so often, so often, my love for the Lord and my focus upon Him has grown cold. He has every right to let me sink. But back to the account. Peter is sinking into the water, about to drown in the Sea of Galilee. Lord, save me, cries out. And then Matthew records that immediately, immediately, Jesus' hand catches him, pulls him up. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now both Jesus and Peter climb into the boat and as soon as they do, the wind dies down. And all the disciples in this boat who have witnessed all of this, all they can say is truly, you are the Son of God. Back to our question. Why hold fast to Jesus? Because he is the one who has come to hold fast to us. God the Son came here. And on our behalf, in place of all of the times that, that you and I have had our love grow cold for our Lord, and all of the times that we doubted His promises and doubted His will for our lives, or put Him off at a distance and put our, our focus on, on something else that seemed more interesting at the time. On our behalf, God the Son, Jesus Christ, lived a life of perfect faithfulness and trust in his heavenly Father's promises and his heavenly Father's will for his life. And then he piled all of our sinful failures upon himself and he marched to the cross. And he held fast to nails. He held fast to nails on a cross and endured all the suffering that you and I deserved until his blood washed all our wrongs away. And then he died. But then to assure us that he really has done what he has promised to do and he really is who he claims to be, he raised himself back from death. Brothers and sisters, everything else you and I might try to hold in this life, everything else, whether it's people or relationships or vocations or status or bank accounts or 
reputations, entertainments, pleasures, no matter what it is, no matter what else you and I try to hold on to in this life, everything else breaks. Everything else wears out. Everything else lets us down. Everything else disappoints us. Everything else fades away. Everything else dies. The one thing that doesn't, Jesus' grip of love on you. For that reason, hold fast. Hold fast to Jesus. Hold fast to the one who will hold fast to you. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Jesus. Amen.